Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Thank you, Lord. God, we just give you our hearts tonight. We just open them to you. We ask that by your spirit you would do a work in each one of us and by your spirit that you would lead us into all truth tonight as we open your word that you would reveal your truth and we we know that you said that as we know that truth that that truth makes us free so we thank you for the freedom that comes from knowing the truth and knowing you we just give you this night in jesus name everyone said Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to just get into the word, and then we're going to do communion tonight. So does everyone have your communion um, elements that they gave them to uh, most everyone? You might have got missed if you just put up your hand if you don't have it, and our ushers will get that to you. But uh, we're going to do that at the end. Um, But... um, what I want us to do, and I want to encourage you, if we could all be doing this, I really feel this year, um, or coming into this season, not, not just this year, but in this new season we're walking in, that we need to have such an understanding as, of Jesus as our shepherd, and to see him as a shepherd, to see him as a good shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep. Like, that's his whole motivation in what he is doing for us is he's coming to give us life, and the Bible says life to the fullest. He said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He has ulterior motives and intentions, and, and he'll flee from you if, if he doesn't get his way. But the good shepherd has our, good, our best intentions in mind, even if we have to go through something hard, Right? How many have seen that when you've gone through something hard, walking through it with, with Jesus, that you come out better on the other side? You don't come out bitter, you come out better. Why? Because he is a good shepherd, and even the hard things. So, um, I'm reading Psalms 23, and it's not just for funerals. And that seems to be the only time we're hearing it, right? Or um, it seems to be like where it kind of has its special place. But um, I'm putting that in and reading it in the context of not just me personally, but I'm saying it as for the church. And I'm thinking about the whole church, not just our church, because I, I work with several churches and I, and I, you know, even globally, I think about the church. I just think about those people that Jesus is shepherding. And so I'm praying that. We're going to pray that together tonight, but um, and, to, and do that together. We're going to put that up on the screen. But first of all, I want to read um, in Matthew 7. Um, Jesus was teaching, and he was teaching about building on a solid foundation. And so the, 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 it's so important how we're building our lives right now because um, whatever we build on is going to be tested. Like, we don't live in times where we can coast anymore. It, it, things that can be shaken, will be shaken, so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. You used to be able to fake your way through, right? But you can't now. Your life will crumble. And there's so much uncertainty. There's so many things, you know, that are, that are shaking and crumbling. Why? Because 
they're on the wrong foundation. When God brings shaking, he, he knows how to, you know, he knows how to save, but he can't save apart from his foundation. So Matthew 7 teaches us how to build on that foundation. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. So listening's good, okay? It says, like a, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in and the torrents and the floods rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on the bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. So, and it says, like a person who builds um, a house on sand, and when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So there's two things we see here in common. Both got storms, and both had the opportunity to build. But one built on sand and one built on rock. What was the difference? The difference was hearing the word and obeying it, doing it, putting it into practice, making it a part of your life, not just hearing it and then dismissing it. Because sometimes, you know, we live in a very feeling-based culture, and it's like, oh, I felt really good. That inspired me. It's like, yeah, but what did you do with it? Well, it just made me feel real good, and I just want to be around more things that make me feel real good. Well, everything can't carry you. You need to build your life on things that you're obeying that God has said, because those things that you hear and you do, you obey, is what builds your life and makes it strong for God. So when we are doing something like we're going to do right now, and I, and I want to encourage you to do it um, in your daily, um, if you can, just pray this out every day and pray this out over you, but pray this out over the church. And, and because I believe that as we allow this to get into our hearts, we will walk differently because we will see things differently. And let me, let me go into it. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. So this is what I do, okay? When I'm taking this time and like on this, I'm, I'm meditating in this. And so I'll say the Lord is, and I'm going to use our. So if we can pull that up, Aaron, 23rd Psalm. I think I gave it to you. We'll, we'll do this together. So I'm just changing it from uh, personal to we. So instead of uh, the Lord is my shepherd, it's our shepherd. We have all we need. Amen? So that's, this is, we need to remember this. You know, so many times the enemy gets us looking at what we don't have, what we don't have. We miss what we have. We have a lot. Just the fact that we are a community of people that are encouraging and standing together with one another is a good thing. Many don't have that. So, and we, there's so many other things that we, we have that we, we don't realize, but we, we have all that we need. And what we don't have, he's got it in the cooker for us. He lets us rest in green meadows, and he leads us beside peaceful streams. So, I'll, you know, I'll just, you know, read that, put it in that context, and then think about it. Brings us into those spacious places, those green meadows, 
He leads us beside peaceful streams. He gives us those places. You know, there are so many people that are just screaming for peace. And Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is what brings true peace. And he can bring it in a storm. Outwardly, everything can be crazy, and you can have peace. Why? Because Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came. He leads us beside those peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Another translation says that he restores my soul. And we're hearing a lot about mental health and, oh, this is lacking, that's lacking. You know what? I have someone who restores my soul. So I'm not a victim to all of that that's out there. He gives me and he restores my soul. He, he gives me ways to be able to do that. He shows me how, you know, there's things I can do that will restore my soul. But he also makes up for the difference. He restores the soul. He guides me along, or he guides us along right paths. And I pray this over all of us. Because there's so many paths we can take. Right? There's so many decisions that need to be made. And there's so many changes now that are coming at different times and coming you know for different reasons and and you're you know you're thrown into a situation where you're like i didn't think i'd have to make this decision and you know and you're just kind of but he leads you in right paths he guides you along right paths well i don't know you're a dumb sheep Don't forget it. We are dumb compared to Almighty God who is super smart and knows everything. Right? We don't know. We don't need to know right from wrong. We were never created to know that. That tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were not to ever eat from it. Why? That's the one thing. And it's the one thing that is a constant in, in, in humanity is we want to figure out what's right and wrong, and we don't have the ability to do that. That's where we need a God who has put that in front of us and who can weed us through all of that. So he guides us along right paths, and he brings honor to his name through it. And even though we walk through the darkest valleys and valleys of death, one translation says, we will not be afraid for he is close to us. He is close beside us. Amen? And sometimes we just need to just stop and we just need to know, no, you are right here. You're just right here with me. And everything's tops and topsy-turvy. It's like, just stop, pause, and remind yourself, no, he's right with me. He's right close beside me. I remember one time, we were, uh, this was way back, I don't know why this came to my memory, but um, my wife and I were moving back from South Carolina. We were 19, 20 years old at the time. We had just had a baby. We were driving in our Pinto, loaded with, just packed to the gills, and, and then we had a little U-Haul uh, that we had pulled in the back. We were moving back to Canada, and we had these bald tires that we were leaving South Carolina with that the church family that was there was like very concerned for us and they're like and we're like yeah we can do it like god preserve the the, the tires you know or, or the, the shoes of them and the wilderness he can 
you know, preserve those tires. And so, you know, we had faith for that. Well, um, in the middle of a rainstorm going through Virginia after driving almost 24 hours straight, no sleep, um, a tire blows. And uh, the first time the tire blew, we got all new tires from this. Uh, this isn't the time. This is the first time. And we got all new tires from a guy who, anyway, it was a miracle how we got those. So that was done. So then we were driving for about another four hours. And this is when this tire blows in the middle of the night, going through the mountains of West Virginia. And um, I had already been so cold from changing the tires four hours earlier and doing that whole thing. When this happened in the middle of the night, and it's pitch dark, and this tire blows. And I remember Sheila's like, oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, she, of course, is, is, is concerned, right? And I'm, I just put my head on the steering wheel. Because <laughs> I was like, I couldn't get out of the car and change and get the spare. Like, I just couldn't do it because it was packed full. I'd have to unload. Like, I just was like, I'm just not doing this. <laughs> and I just put my head on the steering wheel. And I remember I just felt such a deep peace that God was with me. But at the same time, everything was crazy. And all of a sudden, these lights come up from behind us. It's this big truck. And here, we didn't realize, we're on the turnpike. And the turnpike has a service that if a car is stranded, they will fix the tire, do whatever, and, and do it all for free. And this guy pulls up, and he's like, well, what's going on? And I told him, and he's, he gets out there, he fixes it. I didn't have to do anything. But I didn't know that that was there. I didn't know that. But, but it's like he took care of us. And, I, and I, you know, I was at the end of myself. But, you know, sometimes we just have to just stop. Because we can just get so caught up in fear. It's like, no, just stop. No, you're with me. I'm a child of God. I'm not a slave of fear. And just let it. And so he, he does that. And he's, and he's with us. And we need to remind ourselves of that. It's, and it says here, your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. So he brings protection. He brings comfort. And then he says, you prepare a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. And this is what I want to talk about today. This portion here. How he prepares a feast. And it's in the presence of our enemies. Okay? God doesn't have issues with a fight. And he fights not dirty like the devil. The devil shoots low. He'll use family. He'll use things close to you. He fights dirty. But God, when he fights, he confronts that which is wrong, and he just levels it. No apologies. No, he's like, no, this is evil. Not. If you're standing with God, you will see that crumble. And he prepares that table for us in the presence of our, our enemies. And he says, you, you honor us by anointing our head with oil and our cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue us 
all the days of our lives, and we will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? This is our promise, and this is what we're walking in. And I, I want to encourage you, let's pray this over our, over our church. Let's pray this. Just go through this psalm like I did, and just, just begin to pray it out. And it will quicken your mind, and it will make you think about these things that you encounter every day. But it puts God in a place where, where he, Jesus becomes your shepherd in these things. Amen? Because we need to start seeing him as our shepherd. He's not far away. He's not distant. He's not looking at our lives from way, way off. He's, he's very present. But he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And Jesus lived in this reality of continually being nourished, continually being um, fulfilled, and then giving that out wherever he went. He never came under his circumstances. He never came under his situations. He always turned them around, and God got glory through everything that he encountered. Why? Because he walked in something different than we walk in a lot of the time. And I believe part of it was, and we're going to look at this today, because Jesus had something that we didn't have, our, and he was trying to get us something and try to show us that it's available. And we're going to use an illustration of a story in the Bible of the um, Samaritan woman. A lot of us are familiar with it. We're going to just read through it, and then I'm going to bring out different things. So if we can go to John 4, we're going to start at verse 4. So Jesus in this situation, we're going to look at how Jesus lived in a completely different reality, but how he was able to transform the reality that he was in to the reality that God wanted to bring. And I believe that's what we all want to do. We just maybe don't know how to do it. But it's not as hard as we think it is. And it's not like we have to take a gazillion classes to get it and learn 16 principles on how to, you know. So much of our teaching and so much of our understanding has been through um, like a CEO type mentality and, and learning things that way. Whereas Jesus always taught things from lifestyle. He taught it from just the way you live. And so here, you'll see this. And so it says here, he had to go through Samaria on the way and eventually came to the Samaritan village near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So Jesus got tired. Note to self, this is God. God was tired, and he took a rest. Very important. And then it says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So, first thing we got to see is Jesus stepped outside of the limitations of his culture. They had already said, Samaritans, you know, don't associate with them. A man even wasn't supposed to talk to a woman. They had set up that whole barrier. You know, and now Jesus is not in a dark, quiet, you know, secluded room with her. He's out in the open. He's publicly. So he's not putting himself in a compromising situation. But he, he was speaking to this woman that was not supposed to be spoken to. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God, 
the, the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So he's again trying to show her, look, there's something more than this well here. And he lived in this reality. He says, but she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well's very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals, uh, that his animals enjoy? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Amen? So he's talking again about a different reality. He's talking about a thirst that we're really desiring. Physical thirst comes and goes. But there's a thirst from our spirit, from our inner man, that, that needs to be satisfied. And Jesus is drawing that out. And he's saying, look, I can give you something that will satisfy you more than all of any of this physical stuff. He says, um, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And then she said, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll, be, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Then he said, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. She said, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You've certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. <laughs> if so, we've got to read your mail. It's like, okay. <clears throat> so here, we see again, Jesus was able to look through situations that we tend to just look at the outward, but Jesus was looking further. And I believe that as we stop living like for just the now, as we allow ourselves to allow our spirit to, to seek after him and to say, we want to see what you see, God, God will begin to show us something more into these situations. Let's not make the prophetic and, and those things. It's just God speaking through you to you, and he shows you things. And it's, it's not a hard thing. It's a simple thing. When you're walking close to him, he'll reveal something for the purpose of getting to a person's heart, not to embarrass or expose or hurt. But to get to a person's heart, and this woman here, she needed someone to get to her heart. And so she said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's here at Mountain? So she, she basically is going on about, why do you guys have one place of worship? We have one place. And Jesus here, he says, he says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it is no longer a matter of whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. So he just sets things in order. But then he says, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Amen? And the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit, and in truth. So he's bringing out another, you know, an eternal perspective. He's taking it out of all the do's and don'ts and all these limitations that we put around everything. We put so many limitations 
around things. And Jesus wants to blow those things off and say, no, it's about worshiping me in spirit and in truth. And you can do that with a little tape recorder and wherever you are. You can do it from your car. You can do, but it's just, it's from the heart. It's not about having the perfect worship and the perfect team and blah, blah, blah and all the rest. It's No, allowing your spirit to begin to cry out to God and worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I am he. Just then, his disciples came back. How many know? <laughs> they went to go get some food. And Jesus, in the midst of all of this, he is declaring and he's showing himself as the Messiah. He didn't do this to everyone. You read and look through the New Testament, look through the Gospels. Jesus didn't reveal that all the time. But this situation, he did. And it says, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. A woman. A woman. Right? Because culturally you weren't supposed to. They were caught in that. And they were, you know, in all of that. And, and Jesus was stepping outside of that. So they were stuck in that. So they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask. <laughs> what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her, the woman? So they didn't, have the, they didn't have the nerve to ask him. So it says here, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came, streaming from the village, to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. That would have been me. <laughs> I would have been definitely doing that. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Again, he's talking about two things here. He's talking about a thirst that will be satisfied, that you'll never be thirsty again. And then he's talking here about a hunger. And he says... And so they asked, did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. So there's a nourishment, he was saying, that comes just from obeying God, from doing his work, from being obedient to what he has put in front of you to do. And so there's two things you cannot survive. You cannot survive without water, and you cannot survive without food. How many know we do it every day? We do it several times a day. Like Jesus was taking something that's very practical. How many of you had to really think about eating and drinking today? Like you had to like really concentrate. It's like, yeah, I've, I've got a drink today. Now, he was trying to say, look, just like you just do it, and it's a very part of, it's a very normal part of your life, but it's also vital for the quality of your life. These two things are what you need for your spiritual life. So he says here, you know the saying, four months before, between planting the harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvesters alike? 
You know the saying, one plants and another harvest, and it's true. But I have sent you to harvest where you did not plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. So Jesus is, is again, bringing another perspective here. He's saying, you, you think it's, you missed this opportunity. There was a Samaritan woman, there's an entire village, and you didn't see them. All you saw were do's and don'ts. All you saw was, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. And Jesus was like, we put things off and we say, oh no, this has got to be this. And there's only so much time for this. And Jesus is basically saying, no, it's always harvest time with me. There is always an opportunity. And we have to stop and, and, and stop putting those limitations and stop saying, oh, it can only happen here. It's like, no, the harvest time is wherever God puts you. And he wants to use each one of us to begin to open up those things, those wells of living water. And, and bring that bread of life that we, first of all, have drank and have eaten. Amen? Because it starts with us. So he said, you know, it's, it's already there. Then it says here, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So what did he do? He stayed there. For two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then he said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. And this all started with getting a drink of water. It ended up being a two-day pit stop. How many know Jesus had a bit of flexibility in his schedule? You know, we, we have to also have margin in our schedule for those interruptions. And, and I'm a task person, so that's hard for me. It's not impossible, but I'm like, let's get the task done, let's get the task done. And to be able to stop and have margin in certain situations and maybe be late <laughs> you know um it's when it becomes a lifestyle of being late um i don't know if that's the case here but there are times where we have to know there's an opportunity god's doing something we want to be a part of that how many want to be a part of what god's doing well the way that he does it and and these are the two things that we we have to just encourage ourselves with is he's got drink and he's got food for us that will sustain us that won't just sustain us but will actually affect everyone around us see in this situation jesus brought basically he brought revival to a community that was despised samaritans wouldn't have been looked at by jews they wouldn't have been considered. And Jesus stays two days until they all hear and they all basically get to acknowledge he is the Messiah. He like let him in on a secret that only Jews were really supposed to know. So he prepares this 
though in the strangest situations. And this is what we see in the scriptures. We see this over and over again. Um, we're going to look at here at, at a parable of a, of a great feast. If we can go to, to Luke. And actually, um, I'm going to read it, um, the beginning of it. Where are we at for time? Okay, we're doing good. Um, in Luke 14, I know I gave you, um, starting at verse 15, Aaron, but I think I'm going to go back a little further because I've got time to do it. Um, in Luke 14, we're going to start at verse... Um, Okay, we're going to start at verse 1. So if we could start there instead. Um, we're going to read through it because it sets the context. Again, here we're seeing Jesus is going to a Pharisee's house, okay? Now, a Pharisee in that day was a religious leader. He was the one that gave them the word of God. He basically, this was the church of the day. And they understood that, you know, these were spiritual leaders. So he goes to this Pharisee's house. And it says, and on the Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. So here they're like, you know, this guy, he's getting popular. They're kind of jealous of him. And they're like wondering, okay, what's up with this guy? So they're carefully watching him. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they what? Remained silent. What? what uh, you're, you've jumped ahead here, I think. Uh, what's on the screen's not. Oh, I'm on a different translation. Sorry. Put it in NLT. Sorry about that. So it says here, so this man comes up. He's basically, his legs and arms, are, they're, they're swollen. And Jesus asks a question. Is it, is it proper for me to heal on the Sabbath or not? How many think that's a pretty practical question? But see, they had so many religious do's and don'ts and different things in their thinking, they couldn't even answer a common sense question. They were silent. And it says here, um, it says, when they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and he said, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Right? Again, they could not answer. <laughs> when Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor, Near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you're inviting, when you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more dis distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you'll be embarrassed and you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot, at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all your other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he turned to his, ho to his host, 
When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, see, Jesus was breaking down mentalities here. He's saying, look, there's something more than what you guys have right now. And he, he's always bringing us past limiting mindsets and limitations that the world puts on us, that mankind, human beings, put on you. And he says here, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with this story. He says, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. How many know this is a good thing? There's lots of invitations and there's food. Yes. And it's ready, okay? It's piping hot. It's ready to eat. Okay? But, <laughs> yeah, jerk chicken will be there for sure. <clears throat> but they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. When you know these are legitimate reasons. But not at mealtime. Not at mealtime. Not at a banquet that he's prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. Sometimes it's because we didn't come to the table. And we wonder why everything's topsy-turvy. Because our priorities are all out of whack. Please excuse me. I got to be busy doing this. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I can't come. Well, that might be a legitimate reason. <laughs> but again, you've got to look at priorities here. And it says, the servant returned and he told his master what they had said. And his master was furious and he said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Go to those who haven't put their whole life together and have got it all wrapped up in a little bow and it's perfect, perfect me. And it's perfect, perfect. I'm going to have everything I want the way I want it. And don't interrupt my little schedule. And don't ruin my life. I don't want to eat right now. Come on. It's priorities. How much do we want the true food that will truly satisfy? How much do we want the water that we're, it's not, we're not going to be thirsty after we drink it? How much do we want the food that is going to satisfy us more than anything that we ever accomplished in this earth? 
So he says, go, go to those. Go to those, those out there. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. And his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge or compel. It says here, to come so that the house will be what? Full. For, for none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. So he doesn't argue with them. He just turns and he finds someone else. That's sad. But it's also the way our God is. He says, Who, whosoever will come, come. He never drives us like the enemy does. He never puts us under obligation or compulsion. He always woos us and leads us by example and draws us to himself and out of things that have either trapped us. But he never puts guilt. He never puts shame. He never condemns. He is always, the Bible says he didn't come to condemn the world. He came that the world would be saved through him. So he came to redeem us. And there's, at this table, there is food for us that we need to partake of. And it's having that priority of, you know what? I need to eat and I need to drink every day. Right? I'm going on a special fast from God. Right? I'm going to just fast from God for seven days. I'm just not going to partake or drink or eat of anything he has for me. There's a lot of people that do that. They'll fast and they'll have one day where they eat. And he's like, no, I want to be a part of your life three times a day, minimum. I want to be in that place where I'm engaged with you, where I can give you drink that you're not going to be thirsty. And rivers of living water will come out of you, where you are going to eat of what I give you, and it's going to truly satisfy you, and you're going to be doing my will, not your will, and it's going to bring true fulfillment. Amen? You're not going to be chasing the dream. And you get there, and it's like, what? This is the dream? Chase this, chase that. It's like, no, to do his will is what truly satisfies. And he's saying here, look, I want my house full. I want everyone to partake of this. But I'm not going to waste my time on people that are making excuses. You want to make excuses? You get passed by. And he'll go to someone who wants him. And you know what I've had to do? I've had to shake myself and I have to say, no, you need this. You need more of God. You need to take this time. Because we live in a culture where you have be very independent. You can just do a lot of things on your own. And we can actually think we can get by on a lot of things. And every day we got to shake ourselves and we got to realize, no, I need you, God. I need you today. I need that drink from you. I need that food that only you can fill me with. Amen? So I want to encourage you. There's a banquet. The food is hot. It's ready. And there's room. There's always room. And he wants the house full. And so... Every day we can go to that place and we can partake of that banquet. 
Amen? Everything that we need is found there. Everything that we, 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 we don't even know what we need, but if we just come thirsty, we come hungry, there's more. And so I want to encourage you, let's do that because he has more for all of us. And the byproduct of that alone is you're going to see what Jesus saw. He broke every barrier. He broke every limitation. Why? Because he lived from that place of being truly filled and truly nourished in what God has. And out of that place, he flowed. That's the secret. We don't have to try to make something happen. It's a byproduct of what we have on the inside. That's how it's all supposed to work. Not, we're doing it because that's what I'm supposed to do. We do that, for sure there's commitment, but it's a byproduct of being filled. So we're gonna partake of communion. If I can have the worship team up, we're gonna um, <clears throat> just come back to that place of just coming back to the table and just giving everything to God again, coming back to that place of recognizing that everything has been accomplished through the cross, through what Jesus did, acknowledging that today and just giving him every one of our situations that we, we're faced with, we are encountering and letting him fill us in those places. I know I'm talking with a lot of different pastors in, in this whole season and this time and, you know, all of them, you know, anyone I talk to, it's just taking everything a day at a time now. And it's a different pace. It's not, it's not that we're, you know, disillusioned and just throwing everything away, but you can't make all these plans anymore. There's so much uncertainty. It's hearing God every day. It's being at rest in what he has and then flowing from that into the different things that you've got to do. You can't, you can't have everything in a box Right? How many know? It's just not working that way. And we can blame everything. And you'll be a victim. Because anytime you blame something outwardly, you become a victim. Doesn't matter. Your shepherd leads you in the midst of it. Doesn't matter what valley you walk through. It can be the valley of the shadow of death. His rod and the staff. They comfort you, they lead you, they give you everything you need. Doesn't matter. You know, I have some of my family's American, and you know, some states there's a lot more freedom during the whole COVID thing. They're like, you should come down here, and it's like, you know, and they'll, you know, they'll put down your leader and blah blah blah, and you can go down that road. But it's like it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Because God knows how to deal with our leader. God knows how to deal with this nation. And we have to know that. We can't be blaming this and blaming that and blaming this. It's like, no, God's working in the midst of it. Is, is it. is it God's plan? Absolutely not. But I'll tell you what, God uses everything. He uses everything. Nothing is ever wasted with God. 
but what well are you going to draw from? What water are you going to drink? And what food are you going to eat that's nourishment for you, that's going to sustain you and cause you to be able to do what God has for you to do? Because each one of us, God has things for us to do, to serve and to bring something more in this time. And it might be different than what we've seen in the past, and that's okay, but are we willing? Are we willing? Is our food to do his will? Are we going to the banquet table and eating? These are things we need to be asking ourselves because this is the byproduct. Is we live a life that's bigger than ourselves. And so we just, let's go back to the cross. So if we can just, if we can just begin to play that in the background, we're going to, um, we're going to just, first of all, we're going to worship a bit and then we're going to um, partake of communion. But um, this song, our this worship song is um, just exalting Jesus the Lamb. And it's just exalting what he did for us. And the very foundation of us coming to God anytime. We have to come knowing his mercy and his goodness. You think about it. When is it that you haven't spent time with God? It's when you think you've not done enough or you think you've done something wrong and he's going to be disappointed with you or you're dealing with something and you don't really want to face it because you're not ready for it, not realizing that your Savior is there to help you, to give you grace to help you in that time of need. But what do we do so many times? We pull away. And yet, it's that time when we need him the most is when we should be going to him with honesty, with our brokenness, with our weaknesses, with our shortcomings, and allowing him to give us something more, to truly fill us, to truly change us, and it's at that banquet table where all of that is available. But it, we have to recognize what he did for us. So we're just, this is just recognizing the cross and what he did. So let's just meditate on him and just worship him first. And then we're going to partake of the communion together. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.